Welcome to the OKC First Church of the Nazarene podcast. At OKC First, we are learning to do three things. Friendship with God, friendship with one another, and open friendship for the sake of the world. For more information about OKC First, please visit OKCFirst.com. We say it all the time around here. I mean, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I mean, think about it. We, we say it every time there is a baptism. In fact, it's not done correctly if the baptizer doesn't at some point say, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we're not doing it right. We're not doing it right. When we take communion at some point during the ritual, I need to say something like, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, when I dedicate a baby, um, you're going to hear me say, in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, at a wedding, at a funeral, There's nothing outside of this scope. Everything that we do as a church, we do in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And what we're doing there, we're saying a couple things. We we are saying what we are saying, and we are doing what we are doing based on what we understand to be the character and nature of God. But at the same time, we're also inviting everyone in to participate in God. It's Trinity Sunday, like I said, and and that being the case, I have the opportunity to say some things about the nature of God, which should not be a profound statement, that the preacher's going to say something to you about God. Amen. But we don't all as Christians believe the same things about God. We understand this God to be first and foremost Trinitarian. Now, I'm going to say that here, but I'm going to come back and try to unpack that more a little bit uh, as we go. Now, had a meeting this week with one of my very favorite people, one of my very favorite people. It's a student in our youth group, and uh, we're now going to meet on a regular basis because there's just questions, questions about faith. So she comes in with a book of questions, which I just dearly love. I love folks. With, I love to discuss the questions of faith, first of all. I, just, I love to do all of that. And I love that someone bothers to discuss the questions of faith. And we have some ground rules, and and one of those ground rules goes something like this. You must allow that there will be moments when I will say, I haven't the vaguest idea. (laughs) Because you are coming with questions of faith to someone who also has questions of faith. And so we discuss, and we talk, and, and here's the one that she dropped on me this week. You ready? She said, okay. Laid her book down, pressed the pages flat, took a deep breath because she was thinking it through. And you could tell that she was coming up with the best possible articulation for this question. And here was the question. What is God? Whoa. Uh, Forgive me for feeling a little unqualified at that point to try to give her a full and thorough answer to the question. What is God? And so I did what you would do. I called Walt Crow. I thought about calling Dr. Green. I thought about calling lots of folks who could just help me to tackle this huge question. I thought about faking a seizure, something like that, just to kind of get out of the room. But you know what? It's an important question. And maybe, and maybe is a question that we each not only have asked, but maybe it's a question that we each ask. Whether our lips are moving or not, maybe we're always asking the question, what, what are we doing? What is this God? How are we to understand this God? That is really the, the point of this sermon series. This is the, really, this, this really 
is the end of this sermon, but it's also the end of this uh, season. This has been the season of resurrection, and so we had Pentecost Sunday and Trinity Sunday ties a bow on that entire season. Next week, we start a new series. We're going to take a very deep dive into the book of Luke and a new series called uh, Follow the Leader. But today, we are finishing up with this particular uh, series, and we're asking this question, what is God? What is God, and, and what does that mean for us? Because it's really important, because as I've been saying to you all season, the answer to those kinds of questions, as we discuss what we mean when we say God, we are also deciding what we mean when we say us as Christians and as the church. Show me what you believe about God, I will show you the shape of your faith. Does that make some sense? You tell me what you believe about God, and not just with your lips. Show me what you believe about God. Show me your understanding of God, and I will show you the shape of your faith. If God is for you, scary God, scary God, that scares me straight, that scares me straight whenever I need it, then the shape of your faith will go something like this. You'll be really Christian as long as you are frightened. Make some sense? But a Trinitarian God that we're going to talk about today is at the core of who God is, relationship. And the more and more I dive deeply into this God who is Trinity, this Trinitarian understanding of God, the more I understand about myself the more I understand about us as the people of God, and the more I understand about how it is that I am to be Christian. Here are some symbols that we typically use. Now, Trinity Sunday, I'm not going to today, and nor should anyone ever take Trinity Sunday, or any Sunday for that matter, to try to diagram God for you. That's a bad idea. Here is exactly how God works. Science just cannot capture this God. Amen? And so we have some symbols that are helpful to us, and this is a triquetra, and there is an unendingness to it, there is an interrelatedness to it, and it tries at some sense, in some sense to describe, not define, but describe God. More recently, have you ever seen this? There's this book, a guy by the name of William Paul Young wrote a book called The Shack, and in this, he had a Trinitarian understanding of God. How many of you read that book? That was a, it was quite a controversial book, actually, because the way that this guy wrote and described God, a lot of people found distasteful, but a lot of other people found liberating and helpful and like a breath of fresh air. And then there is this picture. This is a very, very important picture. This is by, uh, by an artist by the name of Rublev. This has to do with an understanding of, of Trinity, but this understanding might add something at least to this first couple. There is a community here, Father, Son, and Spirit. There's a community here. There's a mutuality here. There's a sharing here, and I love this. I mean, this, this image has really helped me for a long time, and, and I want us to make sure that we maintain an understanding that the Trinity is all of this and a whole lot more. In fact, we have more images to see. Here, here's a, something else that I really like. This is another image for the Trinity, and if you can kind of take a closer look, what you have here are three people who are interlocked, and they are dancing. Now, this is an important one. This is a good one. Perichoresis is a really important big word, and what it actually means at its base is rotation. 
circular movement. And so God, in some sense, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, is a circle dance where the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all interconnected. One always is in contact with the other, and they are dancing so fluidly and beautifully and quickly that you can't necessarily discern one from the other. They're all there. They're all dancing, and it's God. You like that one? I like that one. I know Dr. Green likes it because he did it up here a couple times, and I'm just not as good a dancer as he is, but there was this moment. (laughs) He dragged a couple big old guys up there, and they literally danced up here. I would lose both ankles if I tried to do that. But we have believed this for a long time around here, that this dance is a great way to understand Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so we teach it to our kids. Now, I've got some middle school kids here. How many of you have ever been with Pastor Lisa on the leader's retreat? Leader's retreat. Yeah, a bunch of you have. How many of you have ever gone to um, the dance class that Pastor Lisa, always, Pastor Lisa always has? Yeah, yeah. Times have changed, Nazarenes. Right. Times have changed. We actually have a dance class on our fourth and fifth grade retreat. And it's so that Lisa can say after the fact, God is like that dance. This Trinitarian understanding of God is like that dance. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, always dancing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. You're invited to dance. You're invited to this dance. You're always invited to this dance. We are always invited to this dance. That's part of the reason you'll hear me say, or Jason say, or somebody say all the time in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we're acknowledging that we're always invited in this, into this dance. We participate, hear this, we participate in God. We don't just believe that God exists, we participate in God. There's a relationality that makes God's self available to us. This God always makes room for us because this God is relational. Uh, See if you've heard this before. God loves us. That's more than sentiment. That also describes the movement of God to each of us and to all of us and to all the world. God loves us, and so God makes room for us, and so God wants to, at least, dance with us. Are you dancing? I know a lot of folks who believe in God, but don't dance with God. Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. And don't point. But do you know someone? Obviously not you. Not you. But do you know someone who believes in God, but doesn't dance with God? Have you ever looked in the mirror to see someone who at times can believe in God and not dance with God? Yes. This is where you can all do this. Yes. We all have those moments. Where we can believe that God exists and even feel that sense of pressure. I shouldn't do this and I should do this kind of thing. But that's a different thing, though, that I'm talking about. It's one thing to believe in God or believe in the ramifications of believing or not believing in God. It's a very different thing to dance with God. Church, are you dancing with God? How do I do that? How do I, how do I dance with God? Okay, let's talk about that. But let's start with this. God wants you to dance with God. 
God makes God self-available so that you can dance with God. God is constantly inviting you to dance with God. And this, if you don't hear anything else, is the message of Trinity Sunday. Why we take a Sunday out of the year and say all of this stuff. In some sense, you could say every Sunday is Trinity Sunday because we're, we're never not Trinitarian. But this is the day that we say we are this and not this. We are the folks who understand God to always be inviting, welcoming, making space in God's self for us so that we can participate in God, not just believe that somehow God exists somewhere out there, but so that we can participate and take up residence in the midst of God and accomplish what God is trying to accomplish that is good stuff and deserving of more than that. <laughs> we had a nice moment right before I stood up. Jason has this little ritual. He always pats me on the back, says, I love you, Pastor, before I go up. <laughs> Katie leaned over, she said, do you need the pat? Can you need the pat on the back? <laughs> I said, yes. Yeah, because I do need it. I do need the relationality. I do need the invitation I do need to know that God is always moving toward me, making room for me so that I can do with my life what God is doing with God's life. Again, do you know a Christian who is not doing with his or her life what God is doing with God's life? It's another way to say what we've already said. Is it possible that you and I, or you or I, are guilty of not dancing with God, believing in God but not dancing with God? Is it possible that you or I Don't understand ourselves to be invited into the very heart and the very essence of God. Is it possible that you're not doing with your life what God is doing with God's life? If so, man, it's a great day to change. It's a great day to accept that invitation. Which brings us to John chapter 16, verse 12. Now let me set the, the scenario for you a little bit. Jesus has taken several chapters now in the book of John, and in what we call the, the farewell discourse, Jesus is preparing them for that moment when he will no longer be across the room, across the table from them. He's not going to be where they can reach out and just grab him. But Jesus is saying, I'm not going to be gone, though. I'm not going to be here, but I'm not going to be gone. You're not going to be able to reach across the table and shake my hand or hug me. You're not going to sense my arm around your shoulders, but I am not going to be gone. So he's preparing him for an absence. Now, before we go further, can you imagine the terror that they must have felt, the confusion? Can you imagine how challenging this must have been for these disciples to have had the opportunity to walk with this Jesus, to sense physically the welcome and the hospitality of God, to sense the arm around the shoulders that you can sense when Jesus grabs you around the shoulders? Can you imagine what that must have been like on the plus side? And can you imagine the challenge when Jesus said, you're not going to have this anymore, I'm leaving. I'm leaving. I'm leaving, but I'm not leaving you alone. So Jesus says something here that I think is very Trinitarian. <laughs> I still have many things to say to you, it sounds like a parent about to leave, or it sounds like a parent saying something to a kid who's about to leave. And the parent recognizes in that moment that you can only say so much to a kid before it all starts sort of rolling, other eyes roll back in their head, they no longer hear you anymore. But listen to this. 
I have a whole lot more to say to you, but you can't bear them now. But I'm going to keep speaking to you. I'm still going to be around. You are still welcome here with me. I'm still making space for you. I have so many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Please hear in that statement what I hope the disciples heard in that statement, that even though Jesus was going to be absent from them physically, there was still going to be a presence that would allow them to hear from Jesus. Now, here's where, here's where I'm going to say this. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will speak not on his own, but will speak whatever he hears, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. It is a challenging time to pastor. It is a challenging culture. And it's not just challenging for pastors. I have heard people say this recently too, people who either have children or who desire to have children, I have heard parents doubt out loud whether or not that's a good idea because it's such a different kind of world. Getting back to the pastor thing, just so you know, a lot of, I'm so grateful to have so many of my professors here in our congregation, and they will tell you this too. We did not cover everything in our classes. We didn't get to everything. I mean, when I went to, to SNU back in the early 60s, we weren't talking about social media, right? Honestly, when I was there in the late 80s, we were not even thinking of some of the issues that I have to deal with now every single hour of every single day. There wasn't time. There was so much to say, but my professors were smart enough to know that I could not bear it at that moment. <laughs> Things have changed. Not only that, things are changing. Do you appreciate that things are changing? That culture is something of a moving target out there? In the transition, Dr. Green and I had this discussion more than once. Man, things are changing quickly. Things are changing quickly. As he handed me the keys and says, yeah, you deal with this. <laughs> Issues that uh, I face as your pastor, issues that pastors face, issues that professors will face. Hear this. We don't have specific verse and reference. We don't have specific chapter and verse reference to give us the exact right information that we need in every situation. Do you know that? The Bible says nothing about speeding. <laughs> I wish it had. It would save me a lot of money. We don't have specific book, chapter, verse, reference for all the different challenges that I'm facing. By the way, as a believer, not just as a pastor. Right? If we're honest with one another, there are circumstances out there that we did not anticipate when we signed up for this Christian thing. We would love to paint the world in blacks and whites. We just know that it's not true. And we find ourselves in some of these situations in need of guidance. And 
though we might want to go and say, oh, God, just give me the book and the chapter and the verse and tell me exactly what to do, it's not there most of the time. But God, by God's Spirit, is there. Are you hearing me? That's what Christ is saying here. Christ is saying here, look, we're not going to get to everything. Beyond that, things are going to change. Circumstances are going to change. And rather than always feeding you the answers, hear this, hear this. Rather than always feeding you the answers, what I hope to do, says Christ, via the Spirit, I hope to teach you how to be Christian regardless Regardless of what walks across your path, regardless of your situation, despite the circumstances, I, I want you to, to think through and so follow me and listen to me that you'll finally understand, okay, here's what it means to be Christian. Even if I find myself in a circumstance not covered in Scripture, even if I find myself in a circumstance not covered by anyone ever, I still have a way to move forward based on my companionship with God based on God's constant invitation that I would take up residence and participate in God, but hear this, hear this, hear this, hear this. Now what I'm talking about is you. Now what I'm talking about is me. I'm talking about all of us now being responsible to invest in our own spiritual formation so that we can discern the voice of Christ in any and every situation. I did some toe-stepping last week, and I'm really sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm going to do it one more time. You must invest in your own spiritual formation. Have you stopped growing? Are you aware that the culture, are you aware that the planet, is still going to be a moving target. And because everything is a moving target, we are going to face things that we haven't thought about yet. If you're fortunate enough to have children, hear this. Your children are going to cause you to face things and ask questions that you haven't thought of yet. It happened this week. If you and I aren't investing in our own spiritual formation. In other words, if you and I aren't on a regular basis accepting this invitation to dance, then we are turning our back on the mentoring that God by the Spirit wants to do to help us move forward in faith. Folks, you need to be thinking about faith. You need to learn to pray. You need to learn to read scripture. You need to learn how to be active in your communities and to insist that you don't have time, to insist that you don't have the appetite to do so. It's not so much that God's gonna hate you then and send you to a fiery hell. I don't believe that. What I believe is that you just won't know it when God's ready to use you in a given moment. And it could then do some damage to you and to those around you if you aren't listening and tuned in and able to discern the familiar voice of Christ in the ministry of the Spirit. What is God? (laughs) 
I think the question was so good. I, I, think, I think here's what we have to do. I think there's some sense in which the question asker wanted me to stand at the beginning of time and come up with some way to, to form an opinion about this entity known as God. I don't think we can do that. I think we have to start where we have to start, which is with Jesus. When we start with Jesus, when we start with Jesus, when we are disciples following so closely behind Christ that the dust of his sandals gets on our robes, when we start with Jesus, we can learn what we need to know from this Jesus about God the Father and the Spirit that issues. Does it make some sense? Well, this is what Jesus said. Okay. This spirit will glorify me because he will take what is mine, glorify, make present, make visible, and make it known to you and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine, and for this reason I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So here's what I said to her. I did a couple times even in that meeting say when she asked another really good question, I said, I don't have the vaguest idea. I will, I will find out, though. I will ask Walt Crow and figure out what I need to tell you about this. But this one, this one I think we have an answer to. Even on Trinity Sunday, I think we can say this. To know God in all of God's inclusiveness, in all of God's hospitality, to know Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, here's what you need to do. You need to get to know this Jesus character. And Jesus will teach you what you need to know about God the Father. Jesus will teach you what you need to know about the Spirit so that when the Spirit whispers in your ear, you can finally discern that this is a familiar voice. Have you ever been around someone who said, well, God told me to, and then fill in the blank, and typically they fill in the blank with something horrible? That happens. It happens. It happens a lot. Maybe it happens more in a place like Oklahoma, where we have so many churches and so many Christians that we all fancy ourselves to have the ear to discern the voice of God. I'm not saying you're not hearing voices. I'm not saying the folks out there who believe that they're speaking for God aren't hearing voices. Here's what I'm saying, though. I'm saying that the voice of Christ, mediated by the Spirit, is unique and characteristic. No matter your job, as you go back to work, you make decisions. Let's say in the course of your job, you are trying to figure out a way to move forward in a Christian sort of way, and so you are seeking the voice that will give you clarity and direction. If that voice doesn't sound like Jesus, you're listening to the wrong voice. No matter what you do for a living, whether that be pastoring, Because there's more than one voice available to me as your pastor. They're not all Jesus. 
or you're in medicine, or you're in the legal profession, or you're in education, or you're in government, you saying that you're making a Christian decision or a Christian statement does not necessarily mean that you are making a Christian decision or a Christian statement. What makes it Christian is that it looks like, smells like, feels like, sounds like Jesus. And if and when it doesn't, it means one of two things. You're dishonest, and if you're not dishonest, then perhaps you just haven't done the hard work to develop a discerning ear. And on Trinity Sunday, I get to say to you again, God is making room for you. God offers God's self to you. God is reaching for you in the process of this dance. Some of you are saying, I cannot dance. I would hurt myself. Yeah, it's a metaphor. God is reaching for you, drawing you in, wants to help you discern between voices so that you will not be the person who says, God told me to, and then it's something that doesn't sound at all like Jesus. But you have to dance. And if you don't have time to dance, you've introduced a risk into your life situation that doesn't have to be there. Last week was Pentecost Sunday, and I said this to you. As simply as I can put it, the message of God to the church on Pentecost Sunday is this. Breathe. Breathe. On Trinity Sunday, as simply as I can put it, the message of God to the church is dance. Come on. Come dance. Learn the dance. Learn the steps. Learn the dance partners. Learn to listen and discern between voices so that then you can go back out, dancers, and dance the dance of faith. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, we will now Take of the Lord's Supper. If you are helping us, would you go ahead and come down? Today I want you to understand this gift of bread and cup. I want you to understand all of this as tangible invitations to dance. Everybody knows that the best dances also include food, right? (laughs) The best ones always include something to eat and drink. It's a cause for celebration, best ones at least. And this would be one of the best ones. So understand this as an invitation to continue to dance the dance. Understand this as representative of God always making room in God's self for you, of God always reaching and inviting you. And recognize here, recognize here, this is important, recognize that your response here is meant to inform your responses everywhere. You're saying yes here. And I'm hoping that as you eat and drink, you are nourished to be able to say yes everywhere. Even at work, even at home, even on the playing field, even in the presence of your enemies and your opposites, 
I'm hoping that your response here allows you to be filled and moved and grown and nourished so that your response here isn't just your response here. Heavenly Father, bless these elements and buy them, Lord. Build us and grow us, strengthen us, nourish us. May we understand in bread extended to us, may we understand in the cup extended to us that we have again been invited, welcomed. May we understand ourselves as having been included in this dance. God, don't let us be people who believe in your existence, but stand on the sidelines refusing to dance. Call us out, God, when we have used something like busyness or apathy or anger or disappointment. Call us out when we have used various and sundry experiences to refuse the invitation to dance. Invite us all over again. Invite us all over again to participate in your life, your movement, and your love. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand, exit your pew to the left, and to come forward with your hands cupped, ready to receive that which cannot be stolen, bought, charged, but to receive this gift, this invitation. Come with your hands cupped as you approach the person with bread. That person will take a piece of that bread, break it off, press it into your hands and say, this is the body of Christ broken for you. Understand it as a tangible invitation today. Now don't eat that bread just yet, but take that bread and dip it into the cup. Someone standing right there will be holding a cup. When you do, that person will say, and this is the blood of Christ shed for you. Another tangible invitation to participate in the life of God participate in God himself and then take and eat and then find a place to pray because, because some of you need to pray this prayer God help me to say yes to your invitation to dance some of you need to pray this prayer God help me to want to say yes to the invitation to dance and some of you have another prayer to pray all together for healing for help if you need that prayer for healing these side altars are reserved for you and someone will meet you there and pray that prayer for healing and anoint you with oil. But these altars are reserved for anyone, any kind of prayer. What you'll find is that you won't pray alone. At some point, someone will come and touch you on the back, on the neck, the shoulder, maybe the head, just to let you know that the companionship of God is in fact tangible. There's also a bowl here. Many of you have been baptized into the kingdom, into this family of faith. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you just really need to remember and be reminded of that fact. That's what this bowl of water is for. Dip your fingers in there and remember that you're a dancer. Remember that you're a dancer. If you can't come to us, Zach and Katie will come to you. Just stay where you are, they'll find you. Who is welcome at this table? Everyone. Everyone who understands their need for grace. 
You don't have to be fixed to come to this table. None of us are fixed. But if you recognize your need for the grace of God, the inviting, constantly inviting grace of God, the Trinitarian grace of God, you're welcome at this table and you will be every Sunday. Now, hear this ritual before we move. It was on the night you betrayed that our Savior took bread, blessed it, and he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body broken for you. Every time you eat of it, remember me. Later on after dinner, he took the cup, he held it up before them, and he said, and this is my blood, the blood of a new covenant. And every time you drink it, remember me. Remember, your invitation is always waiting for you. And now across the sanctuary, if you would, stand to your feet, exit your pew to the left, and come forward to receive the gifts of God for the people of God.
some point and probably today I'm going to ask the question who are you what are you remind us God when we get to those moments of confusion challenge remind us God that you are the one who invites that you are the one who hosts the dance you are the one making room and making space for us. Remind us, Lord, that some things can't be known separated from that dance. In other words, God, grow within us the capacity to say yes. God, I pray now for those people who are ready to say yes. God, one more nudge. Nudge them. They find ways to jump in and participate in you. God, I pray also for those who are praying that they would have the inclination, the desire, the appetite to dance. They don't have it just yet, but they wish they did. God, would you bless, would you bless those honest prayers? Bless folks who are in that situation today who come into the sanctuary with deep and challenged faith, with legitimate questions, with aches and pains that make it difficult to believe, which bless those who wish they could believe. Would you grant them, God, the capacity to recognize to see you in places they hadn't seen you before? Would you grant them, God, the opportunities to be in conversation? Folks who make the dance a little more real? God, my prayer is for people who have grown up in the church, who have lived for a long time in the church but who have long since forgotten what it means to dance, what it costs to dance, what it would take to jump in and to be a dancer again. God, would you rekindle hearts? Would you breathe again into their life situations? 
bring them back to that place where they would see the necessity and the potential and the power of investing in their own spiritual formation. In other words, God, make us dancers again. Make us dancers again. Perhaps you know of someone who is sick or isolated, in danger, depressed. If you, if you know someone right now who needs the touch of God, would you pray that prayer as specifically as you know how? Caprero is just struggling physically. Father, teach us to dance. Some of us should be teaching again and again and again. Teach us, God, as we learn to pray. Teach us as we pray this prayer that you taught your disciples to pray. We will pray this prayer today, church, using debts and debtors. The words, if you're unfamiliar, the words will be on the screens in front of you. Let's close our time of praying together by praying this very familiar prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory for 